Welcome back to Commodity Conversations, brought to you by Macaro.com.au. Today's conversation is about the bushfires that are ravaging through parts of Australia at the moment. We're going to be talking about the impact of the bushfire on livestock and what the potential impact could be on producers in the bushfire impacted regions and those further afield. Today we've decided not to have a supporter for this podcast. We think it's it's one of those uh, issues that you know we don't need a sponsor on this one. This is a almost a, a public service type of uh, a podcast uh, for for farmers out there. What we would like is uh, just to remind people that you can donate to the uh, the Red Cross Fire Appeal at redcross.org.au. Definitely, if you are giving um, donations to charity, they're uh, you know very worthwhile cause to give to for this uh, current catastrophe going through parts of Australia. So today it's just myself and Matt talking about the uh, the bushfire and its impact on livestock. Today we've got a celebrity in the office, my colleague Matt Dalglish. You may have seen him on ABC News, ABC Rural, ABC Port Perry, Irish News, New Zealand News, Wind News Ballarat, Wind News Horsham. He has been doing the rounds talking about the uh, bushfires. Uh, so we thought, well, we'll have a chat with Matt in the office here about what is the impact of these bushfires on livestock and uh, a bit of a bushfire special, really. Our thoughts are out there to the people impacted, uh, but we thought it's worthwhile putting some data around these fires. So Matt, tell us about the map. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Uh, so it was a map we produced uh, late last week uh, looking at an overlay of the fire is since December, started December through to the start of January. And we really focused in on um, six regions, four within New South Wales and two within uh, Victoria, and, and looking closely at those regions that have been uh, having high proportions uh, of the area burnt out. So I know there's smaller fires all around um, the states of Victoria and New South Wales and also into South Australia as well. Um, but we're really looking at those areas that have been um, heavily impacted. Yeah, all those East Coasts are ones, New South Wales, Vic. Mm. So let's start off. Why don't we start off with what is the overall numbers? Yeah, so the combined figures for all those areas, uh, and it, we've got to stress that it's uh, animals that are in that zone or cattle and sheep that are in that zone. It's not, as some people have been confused, it's not the numbers of animals which have perished in those areas. It's just the numbers that are located within yeah, the total population. It's just the population. That's right. So we're looking at around 8.6 million head of sheep and around 2.3 million head of cattle. And so what does that mean? Like I'm not a – is that a lot? Is that not many? What is that of the national levels? Yeah, look, there's significant numbers. If you compare them to the national – so the sheep numbers to the national flock, you're talking about 12% of the national flock and for cattle it's around nine percent of the national herd so significant numbers under threat uh the real key though is to see exactly how many are going to be impacted through mortality or euthanasia or or access to feed in let's, the coming weeks maybe let's talk about that in a minute mm-hmm. about our pro- projections but yep. let's start from the north to the south what are the individual zones what are their populations like northern tablelands what are we setting out there yeah northern tablelands around seven hundred thousand head of cattle and about 1.9 million head of sheep so that's substantial yep hunter that's wine region yep wine horticultural stuff but it not it's got livestock there but not as much you're looking at around three hundred and sixty thousand head of cattle and about a hundred thousand head of sheep central tablelands 
uh, around 450,000 head of cattle and about 2.7 million head of sheep. That's a lot of sheep. Yeah, it's a few there in sheep, two sheep numbers, yeah. What about as we come further south? And that's southeast New South Wales is still, you know, suffering through these fires. Uh, what are they at? Yep, so you're looking at about 380,000 head of cattle and, again, big sheep numbers there, 3.3 million head of sheep. The northeast, northeast of Victoria, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you get across the border there. So that's in around that Koryong region, um, around three hundred and seventy thousand head of cattle and about two hundred and ninety thousand head of sheep. So the biggest fires, or the at least what has been on the global stage, has been those fires in East Gippsland. So what's the numbers of? And that's they've seen some terrible devastation. So what's the numbers there? Yeah, that's right. If you look at that East Gippsland region, it's probably the, in terms of proportion, it's the most burnt out. Um, fortunately, from a livestock perspective, a lot of that area is heavily forested. So it's probably impacting more the native animals in that zone. Uh, but looking at cattle and sheep numbers, we've around 100,000 head of cattle and about 190,000 head of sheep. Jeez, it's big numbers. Re- just repeat that again. What is the, the national number? National 8.6 million head of sheep and 2.3 million head of cattle. And percentage-wise, just to repeat? Yep, 12% of the flock and 9% of the herd. Jeez, it's a lot in... Well, they're the ones, that's the population potentially yeah, under yeah, threat. But, yeah, but still, it's a, it's, a, it's a large percentage of the overall country, considering it's a small, relatively small area. Mm. Uh, but obviously, a clearly a very fertile part of the world. So, in terms of that, okay, about... We're stressing again, these aren't the animals impacted, it's just the populations in those areas. But, you know, what is there any precedent set from the likes of Julia Creek floods back early last year? What's the, what's your, I guess, gut feel or what's your feeling in terms of what the losses could be in these sort of areas? Mm. The Julia Creek one is a good analogy. Obviously, that was um, in that zone that the cattle in that area, a little bit harder to know exactly where they are. So, it, it, and it, it's a big area, but it was one particular zone rather than being spread out across six zones like this is with these fires. Uh, the Julia Creek one did take about two to three months before they had final numbers, and that's partially because... What, what did they lose? Uh, I think it was around 2% of the herd in the end. Um, 2% of the national herd? Yeah, the national herd, yeah. So uh, significant. And what percentage of the cattle in that area? Uh, in that area, in that zone, was about 15% of the cattle in that zone. And about yeah. fi- so for, for the, that northern region, um, for Queensland, it was about 5% of the Queensland herd. And, and uh, as you probably know, Queensland has the biggest yeah. proportion of cattle in Australia. And so, obviously no sheep yeah, in that big one. numbers. No, no sheep there. Um, so if you compare it to that, um, it took one, the first thing was say it took some time for them to find. It probably won't take as, as long to find out the numbers in these zones, even though they're more spread out geographically. Um, it probably the access is a bit easier, and, and these are animals that would have been uh, probably more closely contained. You know, you're going to have fences yeah, yeah. that have been burnt out, and you're going to have to be, try and find what's lost. But um, the numbers should come a bit quicker, uh, probably in the next maybe month or so. Back of the envelope numbers, what do you reckon? We've lost. Yeah, look, we can look at it, and again, it's stressing that it's a it's a very rough back of an envelope, but if we do look at those individual areas and get a gauge as to the proportion that's burnt out, you'd probably say they range between maybe 10% of the area um, in, in some instances up to about maybe 70% of the area, say, for East Gippsland. Um, you, could, you could do a rough approximation across those areas and say it looks like on average about 20%. Uh, if you combine all the areas, about 20% of the area has been burnt out. Um, and so if you do a rough rule of thumb there and say, well, what if we had about 20% stock losses? 
you're talking then about 1.7 million head of sheep potentially lost and, say, around 450,000 head of cattle. You've got a figure of what that is of the national... Yeah, so that's about, for sheep, that's about 2.4% of the flock would be wiped off and about 1.8% of uh, the cattle herd. So you're, you're pretty much rivaling the numbers of what we saw in terms of cattle losses that occurred through that Julia Creek uh, flooding event. Yeah, and that's just, obviously it's going to take a bit of time for us to get a handle on the numbers. No one really knows and for probably a month or two. No, we're getting some anecdotal reports here and there of, you know, this person's lost X thousand number of head here and there. I, I just see a report today of someone saying it's already into the hundreds of thousands accounted for so far, but, you know, there's still active fires, um, the, the area's under threat, and we're only, you know, in the start of the summer fire period, so we don't know how still it's going to play out. To go. Yeah. So what about, in terms of some of those areas are fairly strong in dairy? Yep. Is there any way of identifying the dairy numbers, or is that po- not possible? No. So, yeah, in and around that Bega region is quite a high um, dairy component of, of the cattle herd there. Um, unfortunately, the data that comes via ABS in this instance on those um, natural resource management areas, which is the areas we, we looked at, uh, they don't distinguish between cattle or, or, de- or beef cattle or dairy cattle. Uh, and similarly with the sheep, they don't distinguish between meat sheep or, or sheep for wool production or crossbreds. And we're just looking at the overall numbers there. Okay. So what about that we're coming into a period where hopefully, touch wood, fingers crossed, that we get good bit of rainfall over the next couple of months and there'll be people looking to restock if we lose two percent of an already small flock and head we've lost another two percent of the cattle already last year just through julia creek and then you've got you know drought induced uh sales which has reduced the flock or the herd further and the, the flock further of sheep what is this going to impact on on prices when we've got such high demand for protein because of African swine fever. And then let's say we get rain and we have grass fever. You know, what's going to happen? Are we going to see a rocket going to the moon? Yeah, that's right. I mean, those people that have been reading and and listening to Mercado uh, for the last year have known that we've been um, talking about the tight supply that's coming up. And 2020 was already shaping up as a pretty tight year, uh, both for cattle and and sheep. Um, And and obviously on the back of um, the flood tragedy and the ongoing drought, We've seen some significant turnoff. Um, we, you know, we yet to see the numbers, the exact numbers out of these fire zones that are impacted directly in terms of stock losses right away and ones that have been euthanised. There's also the aspect that um, in some of these regions there could be um, supplies of fodder that's been bought in and now it's it's been lost in the fire as well. True. Um, I know there's some fodder going up to these regions to try and help carry them through the short term, but we're talking about big areas and big numbers of animals that are, that are if they survive, um, that are subject to having to be uh, provided food to keep them going. Um, there might be farms in these zones that just say, look, um, we're not going to be able to carry them through, so they turn them off earlier than they would have expected. That's going to have an impact. You know, as you so we could see potentially higher supply at the sale yards. In the short term. Which, which in the short term could... Yeah. feasibly decline prices. Yeah, that's right. But again, like we say a lot at Mercado, that you know we're really just kicking the can down the road of that rebuild for both the sheep flock and the cattle herd. Uh, you reduce that supply now, and, and you've, as you said, Andrew, we're already on a, a very low herd number. It's the, the lowest cattle herd in over thirty years, and and the sheep herd, I think, is the lowest uh, sheep in, in uh, sorry, the sheep flock, I should say, is the lowest in over a hundred years or something. Uh, so it's it, we're significantly uh, low levels of, of population already nationally. 
um, and it's just going to make it again if we if we wipe off another you know two percent or so from each of those uh, um, populations of, of sheep and cattle, it's just going to make an already tight season even tighter when it comes to uh, people that want to restock. Um, and you've got to remember that there's people restocking that won't just be in that fire affected area, but you know particularly in New South Wales, uh, there'll be people that have um, been running pretty low with their numbers, and as soon as they get uh, any whiff of decent um, favourable conditions, they're going to look to want to increase because the outlook globally is, is really good for red meat protein. The key thing is rain and whether it comes or not. That's a discussion for another day. So anything else to add, Matt? Or? Uh, look, I, I think um, yeah, the, the, the main thing is just to um, keep an eye on how things progress uh, in the next coming weeks and months and, and as we get you know, these numbers starting to come forward, we have much better clarity around, uh, you know, whether it's, whether those losses are going to be up towards that 20% level of what we may be anticipating. I think that could be a worst-case scenario. Um, and and then to see, I know the early days yet on the Bureau of Meteorology uh, for, for coming into the autumn break, they're, they're starting to say um, some of the conditions that have been causing the drought last year are now starting to break down. So that Indian Ocean Dipole and the Southern Annual Mode were the two things that were keeping moisture away from Australia. Uh, that looks to be breaking down and we're looking to switch back more to just a normal season. Um, probably in the next month or so, we'll start to see really whether we get a decent autumn break and, and whether the incentive will be there to, to restock. And a good lick of rain will help with growing grass and also putting out fires potentially. That's it, so yeah. We'll probably leave it there, Matt. That's probably a quick summary on bushfire and livestock. Uh, this podcast is provided free of charge, uh, so we are generous people here at Macaro. One of the things we ask you to do is uh, pick up your phone just now, click on your iTunes app or your podcast app and give this podcast a like. If you really like it, give us a review, tell us what you like about it. The more people listening, the merrier. Uh, share it with your friends and family. If you listen to this for the last 13 and a half minutes, you've got all the way to the end and you don't like it, well, share it with people you don't like. We don't really care as long as people are listening to it. So please uh, have a good time. Uh, stay safe, everyone. Those in the fire affected area, our thoughts are with you. Uh, have a good one all. Bye-bye. Cheers. <laughs>